When was the last time that you played? Today. What did you do? I have a little seven pound Yorkie and he's not feeling his best today. And he follows me around like he's my little shadow. So he wanted to be in my lap. So we had a little play date just before we got started. (laughs) That's nice. It's fun how our fur people remind us to play sometimes. Yes. Welcome to Lead with a Dash of Play. Here we talk about the how and why of reclaiming playfulness as adults in order to build more connected, innovative, and human-centered workspaces. Isn't that what leadership is all about? I'm your host, Mary Hendra. Let's play. My guest today is Annette Mason whose experiences in corporate led her to create a practice in leadership development. Annette, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. It's my pleasure. I'm so excited. (laughs) (laughs) So let's start by talking about leadership since you are a leadership coach. What do you see as the most important qualities and skills of a leader? The ability to connect with people. Definitely. The ability to connect with people. There Mm -hmm. are a lot of very talented leaders intellectually from business and profit and loss operationally, but the ability to connect with people is an amazing aspect because it's good for their well-being and good for their people. Mm. Mm. Say more about that in relation that it's to it being good for their own well-being. So if you can truly connect with people, then you're able to let them know how you're doing, what you're doing, when you know what you know, and you're able to say, I don't know. Mm. Yeah. And that helps us be more human. And the more we can be human to human, the more we can let each other authentically, you know, genuinely know how we're doing. Yeah. Well, and it seems like that is a tremendous asset when you're talking about a a business or a civic organization to be able to connect enough with another person to say, I don't know what the answer is, opens up the possibility that someone else will have the answer or that you can build it together. Whereas if you're not willing to say that, then you go bumbling along with an answer you know isn't right. Or even if you think it's right, there's probably a lot of other light bulbs going off in the room. Yeah. And taking advantage of that is is key. And it, it's key for a lot of things, not just getting a solution in the short term, but implementing solutions take work. Yeah. And if you're engaged with people, And especially if you can do it in fun ways to bubble up solutions, um, then you're not only getting solutions, you're getting the people that want to carry and go on the journey of making the implementation happen. Yeah. Now you specifically look at the triple bottom line of thinking about planet and people as well as profits. 
What does that require of leaders that's maybe different or adding on to what you've been talking about from the old school way of thinking about business leaders? Well, I think that's one thing that is exciting about the times we're in. Um, Certainly, there are a lot of challenges. I mean, you don't have to look far or listen far to hear about climate challenges, climate actions, um, disparity, economic ramifications locally, globally. Um, So I think we're in a time where people are really wanting to look more holistically and more sustainably and sustainably is a big loaded word you know yeah. but sustainably is like running an organization um you want to run a sustainable business you want to be able to have people involved in your business um but what what's really exciting right now is all the different kinds of perspectives that are in the workplace mm-hmm. and a lot of people are pulling for this yeah. It's And it's no longer like trying to push that thinking about the planet is important. Thinking about people are important. And boy, are we seeing the comeuppance right now play out in the different management styles and the push. And you, you know, if you're not willing to work long hours and give it your all, then you're out of here. Well, you, you're seeing that push and pull go on right now. Um, yeah. And, and really people are people and If you push too hard without the context of the planet and the people just on profits, it's a short-term game. Mm -hmm. Within the context of supporting leadership growth, Annette has a unique perspective on play in that one of the things she has used in her own professional journey and has co-constructed with others is an intentionally designed sabbatical. I invited her to share about her own experience. My first sabbatical, I was burnt out. And um, I didn't say I was burnt out. My doctor said I was burnt out. Mm. And she had run a variety of tests. And I didn't realize until the pain and some of the symptoms I was experiencing were so bad, you know, I was having sleepless nights and, and, and different medical issues. Yeah. Um, when I realized I couldn't just get my way through things and went in, um, to talk to her about taking a leave of absence, she worked with me very quickly to design six weeks, <clears throat> to give my body, my mind. And I think actually playfulness into my life. Yeah. The thing that was a surprise to me was when I went back and said, okay, I'll go. She said, you know, I've been working on you for nine months and I didn't Mm -hmm. even realize it had been that long. Um, But she, she also had put my feet to the fire with that in that I had young kids And she said, you're putting yourself at so much risk, you might not see them into adulthood. Oh. So that was a wake-up call. When I went in, she helped me understand what I should be working on for those six weeks. The thing that surprised me the most was she said, okay, now you need to pack your bags and make some plans um, because you're not going to stay home. 
Oh. Yeah, that's what I did. <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> I just finally asked for a leave of absence. And she goes, I, I said, you know, I have kids. And she goes, I do. And I do know that you have a supportive former husband that will work with you. And you need to go talk to him and work things out. Your yeah. boys will be just fine. <laughs> She was, I also wow. know you have a broad network of people and she goes, you need to make a conversation with your family and then you need to start calling your friends and putting some plans together. And within five days of you leaving work, I want you out of here. Yeah. Wow. During that first medically-induced sabbatical, Annette included a week on a tall ship in Maine, as well as time with friends. And that laid the foundation for what she now co-constructs with executive leaders. Here's how she describes it on her website. You create growth through fun and innovative practices for leaders, and you identified immersive experiences, co-designing sabbaticals, and curated global travel. Yeah. Tell me more about how those amazing things can be professional growth. Oh my gosh. So one thing that is really fun is that um, a lot of leaders and you know, high up in executive organizations love to travel, but yeah. a lot of us like to travel. The, the thing that is super fun for me is that a lot of high ranking leaders have gotten into their positions because of technical excellence or performance excellence. Mm. Um, and the focus I have now, you know, I've had a career in strategy and mergers and acquisitions, but the focus I really saw missing in C-suite leaders consistently. Now, some people bring it were communication, connection, and resilience skills. Mm -hmm. And travel is like a wonderful way to be able to really up-level those skills yeah. And travel is something that's exciting to do. So you're getting somebody doing something that they love to do yeah. with a little intentionality and focus around it so that you really can pay attention to those skills and go have fun and exploration and practice things in a non-threatening situation yeah. and then bring it home and, and have some fresh skills to put to work in your home and professional life. How does that translation back home work? Because sometimes it can feel like, well, if I take a vacation, it's an escape and then I have to come back. But what, what you're, what I'm hearing in the way you describe it is that it, it doesn't stay in the vacation. There's something coming back. Yeah. So, so there, what I want to do is, is be very specific that when you're co-designing a sabbatical, it's with the intention of an objective. Yeah. And so 
it's, it's not just a vacation. So when I talk about a vacation, I'm talking about more of a leisure experience. Right. And, And that can also be an important part of a person's well-being, but but yeah. the co-designing and co-creating and curating immersive leadership travel is not that. It, it is working with an individual or a group or a family on understanding what insights or what ideas are they curious about? Mm. And then building and designing an experience around that. Okay. Okay. So if we were to curate, uh, co-design a sabbatical and travel right now, how would we start? What is driving you to want to take a sabbatical? That's, that's the first question. First question. Okay. And, and unpacking that and having a conversation around that and then understanding what are the opportunities that you have and the constraints that you're working with. Okay. A lot of ways to take a sabbatical and a lot of people, it's funny because I've taken three sabbaticals in my life. Yeah. And when I have talked with somebody that like, for example, been on a plane and just come back from an experience or the topic comes up, um, people will ask me about what's, Oh, 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 what they'll do is they'll, they'll assume that, oh, you're in academia. (laughs) Yeah. No, no, actually I'm not. Oh, interesting. And, you know, some people will think, well, do you work for a company like Patagonia? (laughs) Patagonia actually does offer sabbaticals. Um, And they're very specific because if you're working on a project around the planet, um, that's the type of sabbatical that they will offer. Yeah. Uh, so, so part of it is just even um, understanding that we all have access to taking sabbaticals. Um, mm-hmm. It's really the intention and the time and doing something different than you would normally do for an intended objective. You mentioned this doctor calling on the fact that you are a mother and you have these kids and that you would want to be there for them, right? Yeah. Do you see in your work with leaders any difference in how women connect with this idea of playfulness or in integrating play or travel or resilience activities and the way that men do? That's the interesting thing about travel is there's so many people that have a zest for travel. Not everyone. Yeah. yeah. This isn't for everyone, but it's not gender-based. What I really see is a difference in the different types of adventure people Mm. want to take on. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So, So in one example, I scouted a couple of trips this year, and one of them was to Morocco. And it was around cooking and cuisine and being in the outdoors in some of it, that alone can be an adventure, depending yeah. on where you land um, on yeah. the planet. 
can produce adventure. Do people tell you what they want to do or what what they want to have be part of it and you identify the country? Yeah, that's part of it. That That's part of it. And part of it is also just understanding the context of what the need is. Yeah. Um, and some of it's evolving right now. So, so I went in to 2020 with a vision of morphing and evolving my leadership development practice into immersive leadership travel. And yeah. then the pandemic hit. Uh-oh. Yes. Yes, <laughs> indeed. And so... So that actually brought me my third sabbatical. <laughs> and it was it it was a creative cocoon, yeah. um, where I learned to write, and I sketched more earnestly on a daily basis. And my sketches were just for me originally, yeah. But the more I would share the sketches with the writing, the more mm-hmm. people literally said, "More, please." Yeah. Yeah. So, so back to what people want, um, you and I are involved in some of the local things that are happening in the San Diego region, as we're trying to understand how we can bring resources and leadership to bear on seemingly intractable problems, right? There's definitely some travel that can be associated with working those kinds of issues. Right. There are solutions out there that could be imported here rather than recreating the wheel. Yeah. And there's something beautiful about when you are traveling that it is more immersive. You, you, you can't fall back on, oh, but I have to do laundry tonight, or I need to cook dinner or the the regular habits. You're out of your home. You're in this space where you can be more curious the exactly. entire time, right? Exactly. Curiosity is amazing. Yeah. Um, and, you know, stretching your communication skills, depending on where you go and what languages you speak or don't speak. Right. Um, it really puts you in an element where you don't have a choice. You need yeah. to, you need to figure out. And yeah, um, yeah it, it's a real opportunity. And it's, it's also not so threatening in that, you know, I heard <laughs> a, um, recently when I was actually listening to one of your podcasts <laughs> um, about a group that were fairly conservative and they were told, oh, we're going to try improv. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And so, so when you're thrust in a situation where, oh gosh, I don't have any experience. (laughs) Travel allows you to be thrust in situations time and time again, where you don't have experience. Right. But you're going willingly and you're going to learn. Yeah. You know, it's, like some quotes we'll talk about, you know, it can be beautiful. It can be harsh. It can be sometimes not fun. It can be challenging, but in the end, you know, hopefully you're bringing something back with you and you're leaving something good behind. The story Annette referenced is from my very first podcast episode, an interview with Bridget Quigg, If you discovered this podcast more recently, 
I encourage you to listen to Bridget's stories in Episode 1. The discussion of immersive leadership travel reminded me of a leadership program I did in my 20s. We didn't travel far, but we were sent to a local region we did not know for a single day. Our charge was to make a presentation back to city leaders at the end of the day with insights which could help those leaders make positive change. My partner on that day worked for a police department. Usually he was very, uh, you know, serious, right? A little bit stern. He was a police officer, right? So we were there in the city and we were walking around and as we were asking people's questions, we would start by saying, we're, we're from, from this other city. We're looking to learn, you know, what can you tell us? And they would put on their best face of this is what the city is and what I'm proud of. And you should go see this. And about halfway through my friend and partner, the police officer said, let's try a different approach. So we went to the next place and he started talking and he he did not tell me what he was going to do. He said, just follow my lead. So we start, we start talking and I'm listening there and he starts talking to this one person and, and did not introduce where he was from or where we were from, what we were doing. But he said, you know, what are the like parts of town that aren't quite so good? And the person kind of looked at us and he said, well, the thing is, we, you have to keep this quiet. There was somebody that escaped from prison recently and, and we know he's in this area, but we don't know where he might be. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so this person is like, what? <laughs> and, and then he was like, wait, you're with her. And he said, oh, oh yeah, she's a police officer too. <laughs> he was talking about me. And by this point, I like start to turn a little bit because I, I didn't, I had no idea this is what he was going to do. I was trying not to, not to start busting up laughing and blowing his cover. And the, and the person said, really? She's a police officer too? He said, oh yeah, she's one of the best undercover we have. <laughs> So this like immersive experience becomes like a, a story in the process too. this complete fictional narrative. Um, but what was fascinating is that by like letting this person in on a secret that we were here for this, this secret of somebody that had escaped and what we're going to do, they opened a different kind of communication with us because now they were, they were in on something. They were curious about us. We learned something, something different. We ended up going to different places and, and it broke from the superficial that we might see in a day to understanding the real conflict in the community mm -hmm. and being able to see where stereotypes and prejudices were coming into play in a much more authentic and real way than than we anticipated even in just a single day that's fascinating and and that's a perfect um description what you were just talking about the scenario and what you did is an immersive experience yeah, that's exactly. And so, you know, there are some organizations that are dealing with really local and, and leaders that are dealing with really local issues and right. designing the experience so that they can be immersed and not just like you said, it, it's great to see, to hear 
that people really want to be ambassadors for their city. Yeah. But also if you're trying to really see where the problems are, if that's where you're trying to solve, you need to get to the underbelly. Yeah. And designing for getting to the underbelly and getting the insights and understanding is, yeah. is key. Yeah. And, and I, it really, you know, the example that you gave really falls more into serious play. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And there's, there's definitely like the play elements. We were making up stories. We were interacting with each other. We were all role-playing in, in some ways within that um, and creating a, a game really that we could invite people into to be part of it. Uh, but it was serious because we were looking for, like, what are the challenges this community is facing? And and that allowed us to go deeper and ask better questions than we anticipated at the beginning of the day. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That sounds exciting. <laughs> so I'd asked about gender because I, I'm curious in part whether women have the same access to be able to take a sabbatical or be able to, to step away in this way. As well as I think often women put pile guilt on themselves of, oh, I can't step away. So I'm curious if you run into either of those issues. I would say, yes, I see some gender differences in that I can't. Mm -hmm. However, it's very interesting. There are a lot of organizations, especially when you start looking at best places to work mm-hmm. that will offer sabbaticals, but many people don't ask for a sabbatical because they're not encouraged to, mm-hmm. they might yeah. hear a response like, well, yeah, it's in our employee handbook. <laughs> <laughs> Along with how many days you get for jury duty. <laughs> so, so- so that encouragement isn't necessarily there. Yeah. Um, and I've, I've learned from both women and men who have taken sabbaticals, who ended up choosing, like, I am going to self-fund and I'm going to do this. I'm going to quit. I know I want something different mm-hmm. and I'll self-fund and do my sabbatical. I've known people that have the bankroll that are able to take a sabbatical, but they didn't design it. And so Mm. the time came and went and they didn't get what they hoped for out of it. Yeah. And so there's, there's a few different layers there. The, the, I can't do it will happen more often from women in that I can't do it because I've got so many different roles that I'm playing. Yeah. And so, again, that's really important to work with somebody and help co-design and look at what are the opportunities and what are the constraints and what are you endeavoring to do? Yeah. Because it it may be just a design issue Yeah. in order to make it happen. And I think with organizations, one of the things that I'm, I'm stepping into in 2023 is starting to work with organizations to look at who is taking advantage of their sabbatical policies Yeah, and what kinds of issues are they having with employees as far as burnout and as far as well-being and performance? Um, Some 
some more progressive organizations are actually starting to build into the rhythm and cadence yeah. of um, employees getting a sabbatical when they're fleeting up to an, the next level in the organization. Mm. Mm. So they're actually helping create the space to go through the transformation, kind of the metamorphosis yeah. um, of stepping into the new role and also allowing some space to let go of what was past. That is brilliant. It's yeah. both letting go, but you're also then starting your new position in a learner mindset. Yep. Mm. Yep. And I, I think with organizations that are very um, in tune to people, if you're hiring from the outside, I actually think it might be a wonderful opportunity and a way to dis- to be more discerning and more inviting when you make an offer to make an offer of some of that space yeah. before you onboard the employee. Uh, and how different that is than, uh, okay, what's the earliest you can start? And, exactly. and you're, you're trying to tie up the threads from your old job and jump into the new one without often any space at all. Right. Right. And especially in the times that we're in right now, some people literally need some detox time of what they just went through in the pressure cooker and, and space to kind of sort through and, and also reflect on who they are and what they're bringing And what is meaningful in this stage of this new position and in this stage of life. Yeah. Hmm. If somebody wants to co-construct a sabbatical with you, how would they find you? They could reach out to me through my website or through LinkedIn. And my website is trilogydesignworks.com. Thank you. Um, Before we end, I usually invite um, uh, podcast guests to share one invitation to play at work when in your case is there something that people can do if they can't yet take a sabbatical that is an invitation you would give them to do yeah I this is interesting because um, if you're in an environment where people do enjoy talking about travel experiences, Mm. either past experiences or where they wish they could go. Mm. I would, I would open that conversation up and I give the context of if they're in a, an environment where people would like to talk about travel. Cause I've also um, recently talked to a leader where one of the icebreakers kind of blew up when it got to talking about travel, because um, the concern about the the travel impact right. and the carbon footprint. And so I, I do think, and I even invite in a space like that is for a moment, let's just stay in the conversation yeah. around who's in the conversation. Yeah. But I, I really invite people to talk about what they have explored that it's excited them or what they'd like to explore. Thank you so much for this conversation, Annette. Mary, thank you so much for having me as a guest. I really loved this. 
Thank you for listening to the Lead with a Dash of Play podcast. Reza Zaidi and Joanna Stevens created and provided the beautifully playful and reflective music you hear in this podcast. The song is titled Holding Rain. This podcast was created out of curiosity, and I hope you'll share your thoughts and questions with me. Email me at mary at maryhendra.com or join the conversation on LinkedIn, redefining play and reclaiming this leadership skill for its potential to bring authenticity and joy into our professional spaces.